When crisis strikes, organisations face a battle of survival under intense scrutiny. How they are judged depends on the performance of individuals and teams huddled in war rooms, working to provide a coherent response under maximum pressure. In Crisis Talks, I aim to capture the insights of people who have responded to a crisis and their stories of leadership, courage and resilience in the face of extreme adversity. Their lessons will help us all be better prepared to preempt and respond proactively and with confidence. My name is Grant Chisnell and this is Crisis Talks. Um, and I always remember that Monday night, you know, sitting around the, the table, there mm. was, um, I think, three or four hundred years of rescue mm. experience. Yeah. Amazing. You know, it was, and, you know, so New South Wales Mines Rescue, you know, yeah. police, yeah, ambulance, yeah, New South Wales. Um, and, and I, you know, that was like a great comfort. Yeah. Um, but again, a lot of, you know, and no hesitation to get as much, not, you don't want to go overboard. No. But, but some people leave it too late. Yeah. And we said, well, this is now like a, this is now. And of course, by the Monday morning, you know, the media were back. Yeah. Tenfold. Tenfold. Mm. So the, the, the team now is up around the 200 sort of mark. There's 400 odd years of mines rescue and, and emergency services experience around that table. Um, what was then the focus for you over these uh, over those next few days, and and what was how did you break out the different work streams required to manage that effort? Yeah, again, so really good question. Again, that you know that very simple having found them alive, keep them alive, because mm. you can imagine, you know, what am I going to do? We're going to do this, we're going to do that. Mm. Um, you know, I, I look back on it not at that time, but I look mm. back on it as being so important. Mm. You know, when we're not that clever. Mm. to have come up with that or thought how important it was at the time. But mm. again, the collective input mm. from people, you know, that was someone's idea, you know, the inspectors. Yeah. Um, and so the, the... And to write it up on the board, so it's prominent for yeah, everyone to see. Yeah, yeah. And so we just sort of um, almost used that as the first barrier. Like if mm. someone came up with a common idea, if it mm. didn't respond to that, put it aside. Yeah. Not Not dismiss them and I'll, and I'll come to that but just no that's not core mm. so you know the sort of the three key parts were having found them alive keeps them alive so yeah. you know the guy's health and well-being yeah you know, number one you okay know, like they hadn't eaten for five days mm. um they couldn't stand up no so they'd been lying down for five days not eating for five days mm. i'm not a nutritionist mm. get help yeah, and part of that was the SCAT team and the and the TAS ambulance people. So you know, at the site, their 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 mental health, their yeah. mental well being. Yeah, you know, there's 15 meters of rock between us and them. Mm-hmm. There's 200 tons of broken rock above them. Mm. You know, it was dark and black until we got them light and what have you. You yeah. know, if they lost it, yeah, we had no control. We couldn't help them. Mm. 15 meters away. Yeah. So their mental health, physical health. So that was one. Mm primary body of work and so that was one and we'll come back to that Mm. the other one then was the technical method of accessing the site safely yeah um and how we do that and that was another body of work Mm -hmm. and and i'll come to that and then the third one was generally communications and that had a few parts one was we actually forgot to 
tell the rescuers what's going on. Mm. We're more focused on the media and the families and okay. the other stakeholders. So it was a lesson. Yeah. Keep your rescuers yeah. informed. Yeah. Um, but so these are the guys that were off shift, obviously. Yeah, yeah and the guys come on. So that yeah. third stream was really that stakeholder yeah. management communication, which had parts. It had obviously primary within that was families. Yeah. Absolutely fundamental. Yeah. Um, you know, that they that were, carried all the way through. Yeah, really that we that. told them first, you mm. know, provided them the support they needed. But there mm. was families, there was obviously the community, um, you know, we, we had that union presence yeah. uh, and then we had the media presence. So okay. they were the three chunky bits that we had to um, manage then for the following, as it mm. turned out, nine days. Mm. What was the the strategy or otherwise that you had for dealing with yeah, starting with the media, what yeah. was that sort of strategy you had for dealing with them? Yeah, so certainly, you know, the first few days, it was more local media, as I said, then on the weekend, having, you know, unfortunately found and recovered the body of Larry Knight, you know, a lot of the media had gone mm-hmm. away. Um, having found them alive on the Sunday, then they, you know, swarmed back tenfold on the Monday. Yeah. You know, stories like CNN flew in, couldn't get a car, so they bought one. Bought one, and then just leave it. Um, you know, and and there are f- famous photos <clears throat> of you know literally running the gauntlet up the road to the mine site with mm. these caravans with the satellite dishes on them, mm. you know, wall to wall. So that media, um, you know, they were lined up. They wanted news grabs. You know, they um, knocked on employees. You know, around the town. Around the town, they had great big long boom mics to try and overhear stuff. So some of the behaviour was a little bit ordinary, but Mm. they had a job to do. Mm. You know, I rationalise it that, you know, you can't manage the media, Mm. you know. Um, So we had Mike Lester up from Hobart, who was a great support. So our commitment, my commitment was that I would give uh, one briefing a day. Yeah. And would let the media know that they'd get one a day. Yeah. Um, and give them warning, you know, an hour or two's warning. Yep. Um, because it wasn't a set time. No, it, mm. but normally sort of in the afternoon, I yep. think, from memory. Um, Mike and I, Mike, because we had been writing down what was going on, mm. Mike could read that and draft what he thinks is an appropriate release. And he'd just do that, yeah. Because that was already written, Perfect. and so it was facts. Yeah. Uh, and break it into, you know, three or four points. Yep. Clearly then we'd run that past the lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he and I um, would go out to meet the throng. Yep. Now, the third person in that group was the police media liaison officer. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he was brilliant. Mm. You know, he, you know, how do you handle, I don't know how many media there, 100, I don't even know, it's probably 100. Yeah. If I look at the number of cars and people. You look at the and, photos. Yeah. And some of those are phenomenal. Um, and so, you know, for instance, each media was quite competitive against the other. They wanted the, you know, the money shots. They mm. um, were building scaffolding to look over the fence. Mm. Um, we put up um, plastic um, screening on the fence yeah. um, to stop prying eyes. So we could when go, was that done? Um, that was done sort of halfway, around halfway through. Okay. And one of the media chopped a hole in the in yeah. the plastic to get the lens through. Um, and so the police media liaison officer basically said, no, guys, take your scaffolding. So, so he could do it because he had media management training, yeah. but also the authority of law. Yeah. You know, I, we couldn't. Um, mm. So he said, no, guys, you know, you can't chop holes in, in the screen and mm. take your scaffolding down. Yeah. 
Um, so that that was they were on public land. On public land, yeah. But but because we were in town, there was yeah. just, there was just a chain wall fence between yeah. us and, and the visibility. Yeah. I mean, the the access to the shaft to go underground was only fifty meters away from yeah. where the public could stand. Yeah. Um, so there was there was that um, you know a thing that I learned as soon as I then you know stopped is I was completely surrounded. Yeah. You know, it's photo, you know, completely surrounded, you know, 360 degrees with with microphones and tape recorders, you mm-hmm. know, in front to the side, you know, yep. behind me. Yeah. And um, I learned pretty quickly, you know, and again, it was a thing that Mike Lester, again, you know, use the people, use the team around you, use the knowledge that they've got. Yeah. And Mike said, so we would agree beforehand whether we were going to answer questions or not. Yeah. And either way, you know, if it was questions, fine, if it wasn't. So Mike would stand behind my right shoulder. Yeah. Always. So there's a great photo, and and there he is behind my right shoulder. Yeah. And I've either done the three questions, or sorry, the three points I want to make, and then whether I've answered questions or not. Mm. And then he would tap me on the shoulder, and he would step to his right, Mm -hmm. which would make a scrum hole for me to escape. Yeah. Because, you know, completely surrounded, and you see it, I see it all the time, where how do you... How do you Extract. get out? Yeah. How do you get out? They're surrounded. They want more. They want more. They want more information. Yeah. You can't barge your way through. You don't want to ever be seen running away. No. Um, so how do you how do you extract yourself? So it was deliberate that Mike would tap me on the shoulder. Yeah. That was my cue. Yeah. He'd step to one side. So I knew that there was that gap. Yeah. I'd go. He'd stay. Yeah. Um, and so at least he and he'd stayed. answer a few other correct, questions. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Now that's a trick I would never have thought of. Was never taught. Would yeah. never have known. Yeah. Um, but in the moment, you know, so. So that was sort of the media briefing, you know, each day. Um, you know, they were thirsty for, for anything, you know. Mm. What were they eating? Yeah. You know, egg sandwiches or sausage. And, you know, what music did they like? Yeah. And, and this, is, this, is, this is true. And this, is, this was the question that I should have said I don't know, but I didn't. I answered it. Yeah. Um, so luckily, you know, they said, what music? And you know, I said, oh, I think um, Todd likes... Um, country and western and i think brant likes rock and roll and we'd given them ipods to yep. listen to yep yeah you know, so we'd actually part of their psychological management was to give them things over time like mm. icy poles or or treats or ipods or have yeah. you with their music on yep. and they said oh what sort of country and western and i said oh i think we are we uploaded some albums for them i think one of them was the foo fighters and there's this chuckle in the room what type of country was <laughs> oh. I didn't know. Well, yeah. mate, I, like I knew I'd heard someone talking about Foo Fighters and we yeah, talking yeah. about music, and I figured, yeah. oh well. Like I didn't even anyway. So there's a, there's a laughter yeah. goes on, yeah. and um, and I got I get back to my office and Paddy rings me up and says, Dad, how embarrassing! <laughs> Don't you know who the Foo? Like this is my son. How embarrassing! Don't you know who the Foo Fighters are? Yeah, I said, yeah, no, yeah. he said they're not country and western, Dad. They're, they're heavy metal. <laughs> the guy Dave Grohl was ex Nirvana. Yeah, and I went, oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so um, you know, luckily my – what I went against what I should have done. Mm. You know, I, I engaged yeah. and started talking, and obviously I didn't know the full – so you, know, you can imagine if I said something wrong. Yeah. Um, but it got even weirder. The next morning I'm going down to do my next interview, and a yeah. guy comes out of the crowd, and I've still got it, a fax yeah. from Sony BMG from Dave Grohl. Oh, Wow. And the the Sony BMG guy uh, or the, the the courier said, um, yeah. "Can you read this out to the two guys underground?" 
So I did the next day when I did go underground. I yeah. actually read the facts from Dave Grohl. Oh wow! To Todd and Brand. Yeah. Roll the bizarre clock forward. Yeah. They're invited to a, a Foo Fighters concert. I think it was in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, roll the clock forward even more bizarre. On one of their albums is a ballad of Beaconsfield. I know. It's amazing. All from a slip that I made in an interview <laughs> where I guessed that Foo Fighters was country rest and that. So you can imagine if you make a bad yeah. call or you make up something bad, yeah. how it's immediately amplified. And so yeah. I actually didn't do a press conference the next day because okay. I found that I was actually starting to enjoy that spotlight. Yeah, okay. And I said, no, that's not good. Yeah. Like there was a bit of, because we got the two guys alive, we got yeah. a plan in place. Yeah. You know, almost let, I almost let my guard down. Yeah. And and I said, no, not not good. Yeah. Not good. You know, you, I wasn't thinking 15 minutes of fame, but mm. no, not good. Yeah. Um, no more of that. Um, yeah, it's a really, really point, reflection point, to be honest, because if you're true to the objective that you've set, then the focus needs to stay with that. And, mm. and it's great that you're able to identify that in yourself and, and readjust. Mm. Some people don't. No, I mean, the other major um, presence was, was Bill Shorten. Mm. You know, the people say after the event that that got him his national prominence. Mm. Um, you know, my view... Um, so, you know... No, He'd been down there early, hadn't he, as well? Or he, was it... he came there on day two yep. or three... Went away on the weekend, yeah, and like everyone else, then came back on the Monday when we found them alive, um, because we had no corporate yeah. presence, um, yeah. you know, and the media were thirsty, and Bill yeah. was there. Yeah. Um, now we were in administration, so yeah. hence I had no corporate support. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were also at that stage of Peter Reith Federal Australian Workplace Agreement, so yeah. it's a direct employer employee contract. Yeah. So no collective agreement, no union. Mm-hmm. In fact, no legal right of union entry. Yeah. Like, didn't, he didn't have any legal right. Could no. be arrested if he came on a site. Yeah, yeah. And my lawyers are saying, don't let him on site. Okay. Um, why would you? Mm. you know, the lawyers were trying to protect the company, and I guess yeah. me, you know, where's the, where's, it's all downside. All the lawyers could see is downside, and they had mm. no legal right. And I just said, look, you know, and the lawyer's advice, like the medical advice, like mm. a whole bunch of advice, you take on board. You don't have to follow it. No. And, and this was a really good example. And there was another one on the medical side, which we'll come to when we talk about two guys. Mm. And I said to the lawyers, look, the guy's there. Mm. You know, um, he's saying stuff. Mm. He's going to say stuff. You know, mm. the, the classic accusation of the company putting production before yeah. safety. Yeah. You know, and we can't argue against that. And there'll be a time and a coronial to tease out, you know, if there's fault and blame. Yeah. I said, so he's there. He's not going away. Mm. Um in hindsight, I look back on it, and mm. it wasn't a conscious decision at the time, but it's a classic keep your f- friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah. So I invited Bill, and this is in day three, when yeah. we, you know, we first, um, and gave him a briefing, much to the, you know, I said to the lawyers, look, I'm just going to stick with the facts. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so each day, you know, Bill would get a briefing, and of course, for him... That gave him the credibility and then in front of the cameras and he could do whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. 
Um, you know, for me, as long as um, I had given him the facts, he actually helped me get the story out because I couldn't be there 24-7. To tell the rest yep, of the story. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't running for parliament, yep. so I didn't need to compete to get that airplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the unwritten was that he would not bag the company. Yeah. You know, so trying to, you know, the so protect us and allow us to get on with the job and mm. protect the company's reputation and not, not just be out there bagging the company for yeah. perceived right or wrong safety breaches and, and, and what have you. And mm. that sort of worked pretty well. And was it, uh, was it you know, that first meeting that you had with him, was, was this agreed or it was just the way it evolved? So it was a really weird first meeting. So I gave him a briefing. At this stage, yeah. we didn't know the fate of the three. Yeah. And I told him what we knew. Uh, and, <clears throat> and I always remember to this day, he opened up a manila folder. Mm. It's really funny. We've got a really big uh, 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 elliptical, so not circle, elliptical table. Mm-hmm. And I sat on one side, which is my style, and he sat at the head. <laughs> yeah. And it was almost like, you know, Matt, yeah. you're, you're in deep shit here. Yeah. And like, um, you know, you, you just got nowhere to go. And yeah. he opened up in the middle of the folder and um, he said, now I'd like to talk to you about stuff I've heard about the mine safety record. And mm-hmm. it's not very good. Mm-hmm. And he had things highlighted on this bit of paper. And, mm-hmm. and I just said, Bill, I don't think that's appropriate mm-hmm. at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, while we don't know the fate of the three. And I said, there'll be plenty of time for accusations and you know, investigation and fault and blame, mm. um, but I don't think that's appropriate now. And to his credit, he said, fair enough. Yeah. And he closed the manila folder. Mm-hmm. And he looked at, I still remember this, and he looked at me quizzically and uh, uh, he said, you know, do, we, uh, do you grow up in Melbourne? Mm. I said, yeah, and, and Bill, we went to the same school together. Mm. I went to Xavier College as he did. Mm. And and he looked at me and I thought, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and and then I said, and what's more, Bill, your mum... Uh, who's since passed away, unfortunately, but his mum, Anne, yeah. uh, is my sister's godmother. <laughs> uh, so I told Bill, I said, and Bill, what's more, your mum, Anne, is my sister's godmother, and my mum and your mum went to uni together. Yeah. And Bill looked at me and he said, you tell anyone, I'll bloody kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so as bizarre yeah. as it was, <clears throat> there was this weird... Um, mm. overlap in, 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 in life. Yeah. Um, you know, and he had married... Uh, a politician's daughter and now, of course, the Governor-General's daughter. Mm. I married a, a girl from Queenstown whose dad worked as a tinsmith in Mount Lyle for 38 years. Yeah. So you go figure, he's a union guy, yeah. you know, with that sort of... And he's a lawyer. Yeah. Whereas he's the mining engineer married a, you know, a, a girl from the West Coast of Tassie. So mm. we were quite different and quite the same. And, mm. and, sort of, and we didn't have to um, say anything, but mm. that daily briefing... Um, in return for backing off the, yeah. the, the criticisms of the company because they were just free shots. Mm. Um, and from memory, there was one day where he did stray into that space and, and unfortunately I couldn't give him his briefing for four hours. Yeah. And that was sort of pretty pretty obvious. Yeah, um, takes away the platform then. Really, yeah, so, uh, you know, that that's the way that sort of part of it just played out. And uh, now he just missed out? He just, he lost the... And um, Yeah, amazing. Mm. He he became obviously one of the, the, the key figures. There were another... Oh, he ran the rescue. Yeah, pretty well, <laughs> apparently. Um, if you heard it, if you heard it in, his, in his words. Um, 
but there was certainly a lot of other a uh, lot of other media figures that came into play throughout the whole um, yeah, experience. That's right. We had Carl Stefanovic, so yeah. had the Sunrise team, yeah. and and on day thirteen in the park in the afternoon giving a briefing. We had the classic sixty minutes Richard Carlton mm. rhetorical question mm. uh, about you know production over safety. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, less than five minutes later, he's dead. Mm. Mm. Uh, Did you, uh, at that point in time, uh, it was obviously at the back of the press conference, I remember seeing the footage of, of, him, part, of him having the heart attack. Um, did did everyone reorient towards him or did it still focus with him? What was the sort of situation? Yeah, I just that? remember, was... um, you know, that question, and I can't even remember what my answer was at the time. Yeah. And I think there's one or two more questions, and mm. then he'd collapsed, and people started to turn away from from me, and mm. uh, I thought, oh, that's weird, you know, mm. like, you know, has, has God arrived? Mm. You know, what, what's, you what's, know, what, what's yeah, what's and I didn't know what had happened until I walked back and to the uh, to the control incident control room yeah. to find out what had happened. Mm. I mean, so I didn't know, I didn't see him, you know, fall over because I mean, I was surrounded by the. Mm. by the media and mm. he, he was off you know stage left or what have you and then mm. as i explained my escape mechanism was yeah. was the you know parting of the seas by mike lester for me to to you know so i don't look so you don't look back i mean no. once you, you leave don't. you don't stop mm. and prop to answer one more question once you go you go and i yeah. just kept going and you don't look back yeah and so i didn't know until um back at the office eddie mcguire uh others became involved yeah then, eddie, I think eddie or... everywhere so a bit of checkbook journalism um i think it was after i actually got to meet with eddie mcguire his lawyer so they wanted film and access rights to the mine Mm. to to do something Mm -hmm. Um, and these requests these requests were coming thick and fast yeah because we had video as well i did an interview with tracy grimshaw i remember i mean you know there was an australian story on the things um the two guys ended up on the Opera Winfrey show in, in the States. You know, we've got a Wikipedia page. Mm. You know, a book was written, a movie was done, you know, DVs were... Yeah, so, you know, the whole, um, you know, public interest mm. in worldwide. Yeah. I mean, it was. I was told at the time it was the largest media event in Australia mm. ever mm. at that stage. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if it's... It's, there's been any sense that's been as large, really. Yeah, certainly, you know, you go... So literally a life and death, yeah. you know, from, from the, the death of Larry through to getting the two guys out. So mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people don't know about Underground, so it's got that mystique it as well. Yeah. And some people are claustrophobic and what goes on. So yeah. it had all of those elements. You were right in town. Mm-hmm. You know, you were half hour from Launceston, a town of 100,000 people. Yeah. Um, so accessible... Mm-hmm. Um, Anzac Day was the same week of the Port Arthur Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had media that had been down. So it was the yeah. 10th anniversary of the Port Arthur Massacre. There was media already in the state. You yeah. know, Bass, Bass Strait's not bad at keeping out people. And it was also the same week as Targa, which is a, mm. a famous road race around, yeah, around Tasmania. So there was a lot of people and a lot of media mm. uh, already there. So, you know, that circumstance, accessibility, life mm. and death, uh, and then those layers of, of players. Yeah. What was probably the the weirdest moment in all of that? Is there anything that sticks in your mind? You go, this is this is like the Foo Fighters situation. Is there another one that you go, that's just completely out of body 
sort of experience? So probably when I found that Richard Carlton had died, yeah. and I thought, oh, God, what else can happen? Because yeah. this is this is within twenty four hours of us getting the guys out. So it's day yeah. thirteen, like as I was, you know, on the home the stretch, height. hopefully. Yeah. So that was you know, uh, you know, tragic. I, I, you know, that was. Um, but yeah, the I think. Um, Certainly afterwards, you know, three plane loads of Launceston were flown to Canberra. You mm. know, we were welcomed into government, mm. you know, the Parliament House, you know, John Howard, Kim Beasley. I mean, the the after bit was mm. as bizarre. Yeah. You know, going to the Great Hall of Parliament House, you know, we were invited into the John Howard, mm. you know, his special rooms. Yeah. You know, all, all of that after event media stuff was, yeah. was quite out of the, the, you know, that's unheard of. Yeah. You know those books and media stuff. Yeah, during it, probably, probably Richard, probably the Foo Fighters thing was mm. the the most weird. Yeah, you know, component yeah. out of many. I mean, I've got a sister in the states, and you know, she was watching it daily. Yeah, you know, it was all over the world. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I read a paper or saw a TV during that fourteen day period. Okay. The other streams that were in play, so you know, the the families and the support to those families, um, and also your own workforce. What was sort of going on to, to support them through that, through the whole response and, the, and you know, the 200-odd the people that were together? Yeah. That risk, so know. Rex, our, our safety officer, um, so um, Todd Russell, um, one of the two, was on the mine's rescue team. Yeah. And Todd's wife, Carolyn, worked for Rex at the, okay. at the mine in the safety. So yeah. um, Rex, and being a safety person, has that human empathy side. Yeah. You know, it's it's in their in their personality yeah. trait, yeah. Um, and so Rex was normally tasked with you know keeping the families mm. up to date, whether it was um, you know Todd's parents or, mm. or Carolyn or Brant's you know wife and kids, mm. um, and and even you know Jackie Knight, which was the difficult one. I was going to say because yeah. you know there's there's a widow, yeah. You know, at one end who's grieving. What, what yeah. exactly? Um, and waiting to want to bury her partner. Yeah. But the rescue is still going on and, you know, grappling with that whole thing and watching, mm. you know, two lucky people that are still alive. And, yeah. Um, so that was a very difficult period, for obviously, for everyone and yeah. how to handle that with with respect. Um, the council were brilliant. So the mayor, mm-hmm. Barry Esther, um, you know, became a bit of a spokesperson it as well. Too, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of the first times, and I've seen it since, and I've never seen it before, where the mayor of wherever an event happens often is now a spokesperson. Mm. And I mm. think Barry was probably one of the first to one take first, on that right. sort of community commentary positions. Yeah. You know, uh, and and not company and not union and mm. not vested, but but on behalf of of the community uh, and the region. And the, and the council opened up. So the council had their own incident control room. Yep. Sort okay. Of, you know, and and you know, opened up the town hall. You yep. know, for a place for for people to meet and chat. So that was that was really important. I mean, again, that that wasn't in our no. plan, but no. we did have a mutual, you know, um, West Tamar Council emergency response that involved us and involved them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know that that worked its way mm. um, through the course as well. Legal in that sort of stakeholder engagement part, what sort of challenges or, or otherwise did the, the legal perspectives 
provide for you around handling and engaging with those stakeholders? Yeah, so it was still, you know, um, it was seen as a coroner, but yep. and the coroner simply just basically authorised the, mm-hmm. the mine, authorised us to continue. So, yep. you know, he could have said, no, the police will take over. Or okay, you yep. could have done because legally. Yeah. But, you know, the police didn't know the mine. Technically, they, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the, the police had far more of a presence, and so the lawyers were even more tuned. Mm. You know, so within the first 24 hours, there was, a, you know, I think the lawyer was on site. Certainly there was a stenographer mm. in that. Um, control room mm-hmm. that would basically type everything that was said, and they brought the stenographer in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our lawyers did. Yeah. yeah, so I think there was ended up being four hundred pages of 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 recording. Yeah, um, you know, there was a period right at the end where I asked that stenographer to leave because mm. there was a conversation you didn't want to have on the record. Yeah, um, to do with his final breakthrough moment and. You know, could have gone either way, okay. potentially, and we can come come back to that. Mm. Um, but certainly, it's on, the, the, legal, rescue, on yeah, the rescue side, yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah. so that legal bit, you know, they were basically just in the background. Obviously, we sounded mm. out. You know, they observed. Um, you know, they 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 saw each release. You know, yeah. that we were going to make publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a pretty light touch in, okay. in many ways. Other, other than you know, we were we did make our own notes about what we were doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so writing it down was critical. Was critical. Yeah. Yeah. The, and no doubt you had the, you know, the situational awareness around the room with all the visual aids and other um, you know, log, uh, logs and charts that you were retaining in the room. Did they sort of you know, take photos of those? What were they sort of doing to process those as well? Yeah, we took photos and yeah. if we were rubbing out the whiteboard, we'd take a photo yeah. to record it. Um, so yeah, all, all of that. And it was certainly, you know, when it was all over, it was all collated and, yeah. all collated and kept yeah. because, you know, we knew... Certainly up to, you know, the, the death of Larry Knight that that would be investigated. Yeah. You know, as it turned out, because it was a successful mm. rescue, mm. there was no coronial or... Into the rescue. ...government inquiry required into the rescue part because it was a success. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. But it didn't stop us from recording yeah. and writing because, you know, until you know, mm. um, it's just, you know, appropriate that you're able to say what you did, what you said, and mm. why you said it and why you did what you did. And you know, why you e- made either that way. decision. Yeah, yeah, point yeah. so writing it down was, was, was critical. With And again, remembering we've got 200 people starting to be, have been involved now at different stages, the... How does the question of legal privilege, or how was that addressed? Was that a, a question early in the piece, or how was that managed? Uh, so certainly subsequent. So we were advised about giving statements mm-hmm. and having legal counsel present uh, in the giving of statements to the regulator. Yeah, yep. yeah. But so at that stage, the mines inspector, so the Tasmanian mines inspector, was there. The police inspector was there. It was the mm-hmm. scene. You know, uh, under the coroner, but mm-hmm. but until the guys were out, there was no interviewing, no and, investigation no, process. Understood? No, yeah, no. yeah. Um, you know, so Fred Sears, the chief inspector, was ha- handy and helpful when some behaviours were occurring that were um, not authorised. What were they? Um, so when we found the guys alive, um, so if we go to sort of the technical rescue part, mm. um, and we flown all of these guys in we, we literally and we had some of our own miners there there were about 20 
people in the room and we said, okay, we need to brainstorm mm. how we're going to do these last 15 metres mm. to get them out safely. Yeah. And and guys stuck up their hands, you know, you know. so there was still the drill and blast. There was the timbering, ground yeah. support our way in, yeah. um, doing a one metre big diamond drill, yeah. um, using um, low energy explosives, yeah. you know, using picks, rock hammers, you know, jack picks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and all of these were separate options. That yeah, and we and we, and we and we wrote them. So yep. each person, you know, people came up with ideas, and we wrote them down. Yeah. Um, one was getting a raised borer, which is a big rock cutting disc that mm-hmm. normally goes vertically, and turning it on its side. Okay. To to bore horizontally. Yeah. Um, and one been, guy had that been done before. Not with this sort of machine. No, yeah. it's 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 not uncommon now, but yeah. certainly not this sort of machine. Okay. Uh, and one idea from one guy was plasma arc cutting. Right. Um, and it was a really good example because, you know, my immediate was, well, I th- you know, I'm not a, I'm not a tradie, but I think you need conductivity to, you know, it's like for cutting steel. Mm. Um, and it would have been so easy to dismiss it mm. there and then or, or laugh it off. Mm. Um, but we wrote it down. And so each of those ideas, we then got guys to go away and see whether it had any merit. Yeah. Um, you know, because you can imagine the risk you're asking for input from this, you know, hugely deeply experienced bunch of guys. Mm. And someone sticks a hand up with an idea and you're asking for ideas and you laugh at it. He's never going to offer it. Never going to happen again. Again. Mm. Shut him down. Mm. Not intent, but. And then um, someone else might go, oh, shit, maybe my idea is not. Maybe my idea is stupid too. Mm. I won't do it either. Yeah. Um, so you know, asking for ideas and then respecting it, mm. and and as it turned out, you know, and that that ranked in the options, yeah. and and the safest option was to get this raised borer machine, okay. which we had to get from Rosebury. So there was you know, twelve hours of, of time to get that. We had to pour a concrete pad for it to sit on. Okay. It was twelve to twenty four hours there. Yeah. Um, we had to get the the cutting head from Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Um, so they held up the sailing mm. of the Spirit of Tasmania from Melbourne. Oh wow! For the head to to get onto the boat to to get it to get it um, trucked over. So there was a day there. Um, so all of this was time, but having found them alive, keeping them alive. Yeah. Right, so while they were physically, luckily they weren't seriously injured at all, Mm. they weren't bleeding, there's no broken bones, so Mm. physically they're okay, mentally was was an issue, Mm. Um, but they were taking, you know, sustagen and being rehydrated, so, you know, if that was the safest way of of accessing the site and Mm. the safest way of getting them out, then even though it was going to take time, Mm. um, and there was a lot of pressure, you know, the media wanted to know how long, how long, how long. Uh, lesson, don't give time frame if you don't really know. Like at one yeah. stage, I think we said oh, 48 hours yeah. and four days later, we're still going. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, again, a lesson is if you don't know, you don't know. Mm. Um, and it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. You know, and I think it will, then I corrected and I would say it will take as long as it'll take. Yeah. Um, but there was certainly disquiet, I found out afterwards amongst, you know, some guys that mm. like, you know, for God's sake, it's taking it's going to take way too long. Mm. These guys are alive; they may not be. You know, mm. Another rock fall might happen. Yeah. So some guys did go into that area unauthorized oh, yeah. um, and climb over the rock pile, okay. uh, and apparently could you know reach down and touch them, mm. and apparently took a pair of bolt cutters to start chopping some of the oh. the mesh, um, and chopped the first strand and 
pinged, so it was under so much tension, tension. that I think even Todd and Brandt said, you can't, don't do any more, mm. because, you know, that would have... So, you mm. know, it was the last thing I expected for people to do the mm. unauthorised. Yeah. Um, so, Despite that being that clear objective for yeah, the start. Yeah, because yeah, so. they thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and we, no doubt for the mental well-being of the two as well, they were probably, you know, yeah, presuming anyway. So don't assume people will behave rationally. Yeah. Don't assume people won't do crazy things. Yeah. Um, so we had the mines inspector dress down a couple of them. Okay. Uh, tell talk tell the crews. Yeah. Um, you know that that's that's not. Uh, we sent one guy home. Mm. Um, unfortunately, we ended up having to push put mesh barricades up the the entrances. Yeah. Above and below, and have people standing guard. Yeah. Okay. You know. To, to stop. Which is just extra manpower. Now, we hadn't extra. thought, exactly, hadn't thought yeah. that we needed to. Yeah. So, you know, don't assume. Yeah. I mean, we thought, well, you know, what, and, and you know, personally cross that, mm. you know, they could have been hurt or killed. Yeah. Uh, thinking they're doing the right thing. Well, the worst case in any of these circumstances is a secondary event. Mm. And, and further people being, um, you know, killed, injured or otherwise yeah. whilst performing a rescue. Yeah, correct. So when that sort of challenge happened, what was the? It's really a question of trust being broken in some ways there as well. Was that was that just because of the pressure of the situation for these individuals, or or was there concern around the plan? Um, I think you know one the plan was going to take a long time. Yeah, you know the guys are still alive; they may not be. Yeah, that sense of camaraderie. Well, they're my mates. Yeah, you know how can I stand forty meters away from them? Yeah, because because this machine, um, by the time we got it and set up, we knew it would take days to, yeah. to get there. Yeah. Um, but again, if the guys were physically, so you know, there was conversations. You know, what happens if they do? You know, if the two guys, you know, lose it or get injured, mm. or you know, so there was some contemplation of a snatch and grab if we had to. But yeah. unless there was a, a, a an absolute like a life and death. Mm. need to and yeah. you have to weigh up well is that just going to endanger more people yeah so i think there was a bit of a disquiet about you know the plan for for the time it would take mm. the fact that they were currently okay mm. that they were literally within you know touching, touching distance although they had you know tons and tons of rock on top of them mm. uh, and that camaraderie mm. um so that then set the technical rescue bit in motion yeah um which left then the the other body of work which was the two guys themselves the welfare for them yeah which was the most important i mean we've covered it sort of in reverse yeah, yeah. Uh, but keeping but you had that at the front of every session really correct so yeah. we would do a shift so we would get all of the key players so there'd mm. be about 20 in the control room sort of 8 a.m ish and, and sort of 7 p.m ish mm-hmm. you know because it was a 24 7 thing and we'd mm. by they'd got a roster and a handover yeah uh, so in that room, you know, would be still the, the you know, me and the emergency operations control group, so yep. the, the core site-based, you know, management team. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had lawyers, we had the police, we had TAS ambulance, we had New South Wales ambulance, we had the SCAT team, so mm-hmm. including Paul Featherston. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had the inspector. Um, we had a... A guy that we'd used to help do a lot of safety and hazard and risk management, and was also um, a psychologist. Yeah, um, but he wasn't there for that. But that was part of his sort of observation. And mm. uh, and you know, for instance, I didn't know, but he had talked to Rex, and they sort of divvied up between them to keep an eye on 
each other. Yeah. You know, like me and, and the other management team. Good. I didn't even know that at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we can, we can come back to that. So, um, yeah, managing that. But the first topic at each of these was we would get the ambulance guys mm. um, and the paramedics. So we always had a... Some, we always had someone on the other end of the phone, 15 metres away from the guys, okay, 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't have to say anything. Um, just to be there. But, but just to be there and chat if they wanted to. Yeah. And so they would, their first thing was to just state how they were. Mm. You know, we had the guys, so we had Todd and Brandt um, giving, you know, body temperature and, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, food in and, and excrement out. Yeah. Um, we had them... Um, uh, you know, vitamin tablets. And, yeah. and so the, the first comment, you know, the first discussion point was always their physical and mental health and how was it? Mm. That was always the first uh, discussion point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that um, really, did that really focus everyone then on what everything is behind well, that, was, that to support that? Exactly. I mean, at the end exactly, of the day, that's what it's about. Exactly. It? Yeah, it wasn't the afterthought. And so, you know, somewhere in that period, you know, the, the feedback was that the guys wanted to walk out. Mm. You know, mm. and... Um, you know, we were still trying to get them out, so yeah. it wasn't clear that. But that was their objective; they mm. wanted to walk out. Mm. And and I remember one of the medics saying, "Well, they can't. They've been lying down for fourteen days. Yeah. Um, you know, the risk of deep vein thrombosis, Versus, the yeah. whole thing. And and it's a bit like the lawyer saying, "Don't talk to the media. Mm. Sorry, and don't talk to Bill Shorten. Mm. But you take the advice. But you've got to make a call. Yeah. I just said to the the medical team there I said no that's what's motivating them yeah you can't say no they no. have to stay positive yeah and yeah. we have to do everything to enable possible them. to enable them to reach that objective otherwise we're going to argue with them mm. um, they're not going to have that motivation what happens mm. if they then lose it what happens if they become obstinate and don't eat or drink yeah. or do the medica- medications that we want them to do mm. um, or, or, or mentally just lose it yeah um, so they went away. They couldn't find anywhere in the literature of anyone that had been lying down for 14 days that then stood up. Okay. Even at hospitals. Right. You know, people, you know. Um, so we had the guys giving themselves deep vein thrombosis injections. So okay. Anti blood clotting yep. injections. Um, the, the team devised a. a um, an exercise regime for them under yeah. so, so you know because they couldn't stand up they could mm. barely sit up mm-hmm. and they could basically only roll over the top of each other mm. um so that they had the physical capability to do it um and so you know when we when we did get them out we we showered them underground yeah um they were in wheelchairs and so what a lot of people don't know is you know up the cage they mm-hmm. were but when they stepped out, they stepped out of the wheelchair and, and walked out, which is the famous shot. It's a moment, yeah. But the effort to get them physically and mentally into that space, mm. um, there was a huge amount of effort yeah. from the paramedics and the medi- you know, and the psychologists mm. um, and nutritionists just mm. to manage their own, those two guys' you know, health and well-being. Now, back into the technical rescue component because there were different stages there as well there was some blasting that was happening um uh, that was recorded as having some you know certainly some mental effect on on the two was that at a time when you're already been in contact with them that you'd started any of that drilling and blasting so there was two lots yeah. yeah so when we didn't know the fate of them we were doing full four meter by four meter blasts okay uh we didn't know that they were alive at that stage mm. um and and they 
you know, they knew that we didn't know. Yeah. So they were worried. Yeah. That if this kept going, that it was just going to come. Yeah. Know, and it? that was the sort of the the wake up moment where Rex said, at our end, hang on, guys, we keep doing this. So mm. we came to the same conclusion, but yeah. we came to it a lot slower. Yeah. Uh, luckily we came to you know that mm. realization and mm. you know that's all credit to the challenging the plan mm. um, this, that was criticized by the media post as saying you know you you were treating it then as a recovery from the outset which is clearly not the case so the language was always rescue yeah. um we probably hadn't thought it you know to the last degree through we knew yeah. generally that we we had to get there safely yeah um then found them alive, then we would do the rose boring. Yeah. Um, we agreed that we would get up to within a metre mm. of, of so last metre of rock, mm-hmm. uh, and then we would revert. And so the plan then was to revert back to uh, jack picking, if yeah. we could, but this rock is, you know, this rock was 80, 90, 100 MPA. You know, it's like what four or five mean? times. So yeah. four or five times the strength of concrete. Okay. Like bloody hard. Yeah. Um and so we got um, a low shock, a low energy explosive, mm-hmm. and we flew a guy down um, from New South Wales mm-hmm. to bring the explosives over. We had to charter a Cessna, flew it out of Nara. Okay, yeah. Um, that came in with it. We flew guys down from the Stall Gold Mine in Victoria mm-hmm. who would use this stuff in their ordinary activities okay. underground yeah um so we got the expertise in and so the guys would drill little holes and then we put this low energy explosive and mm. um and so the guys so todd and brant would do the countdown yeah and go bang but it wasn't a big bang but it was still stressful certainly stressful mm. um for darren flanagan and the mm. guys that had drilled the holes and put the explosives in mm. and those are the guys pushing the button yeah um you know but that was the only way we could do that last meter so that, that everything's to that point now. You've raised bore or the now on a horizontal mm. bore drill. Mm. Um, you've got to that last meter. What was the what was the real risk at this point in time? So the risk was when we broke into their drive, um, disturbing rock above the two guys and causing mm. that to collapse because mm. we would basically be breaking out a rock pillar mm. and and having a hole all the way through yeah. to them, and that that might just undercut. Yeah. stuff above them so yeah. to give you an idea we we had todd and brandt uh we passed them a a hose mm-hmm. a grout tube a hose and we had them pour concrete oh, right. um so slurry yeah onto the rocks from their side yeah where we were going to break through yeah okay. um and let that cure so and we did tests on the surface mm. where we just got piles of rock and we tried to work out what consistency of rock what consistency of slurry we needed to permeate the rock but then make it hard enough so that if we blasted it would still be cemented together Understood, yeah. and so we 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 made up um you know cubic meter boxes we put just waste rock in mm. to mimic what was underground we did different strengths of cement and water ratio mm. we'd let it cure we'd then pull off the ply board and we'd get a jackhammer and see which which worked and which didn't so mm. now all of that going on on the surface then mm. we worked out what was needed you know we got the guys to pump this stuff around we were going to break through as one mm. example mm-hmm. elsewhere in the mine we had um 
ICI as they were then or Orica as they are now. Mm -hmm. With blast vibration monitoring, mm -hmm. first of all, we had the vibration monitoring where the raised borer was working so we could make sure that we weren't rattling the place too much. Yeah. But we also had them elsewhere in the mine testing these explosives, yep. these low-density So we'd drill holes and work out you know, how, how much we could let off at one go without creating too much vibration. So we had mm -hmm. blast monitoring, blast vibration monitoring. So a whole host of stuff going on. We, we um, ordered all of the timbers in case we yep. had to go to plan whatever it was yep. um, to re-timber our way in. We okay. ordered a little dingo to, to do you know, some of the mucking. We ordered a one-metre diameter diamond drill, mm -hmm. you know, if the raised borer didn't work. So, you know, it wasn't like we had plan A and if that didn't work, oh, we better now get plan B, okay, let's Start. go all the stuff. So we had, yeah. we had parallel things, you know, in case. Yeah. Um, hence the number of people and, yeah. and hence, um, you know, a whole, whole bunch of stuff was rocking up everywhere mm. uh, to work our way through it. So that, the critical moment was that last blast to break through. Yeah. And um, so you kicked the stenographer out of the room earlier on. Yeah, so there was a, a period on day 13. Mm. Um, so we were, you know, now like half a metre. Mm. Um, so we're looking down this tunnel and mm. we, we we drilled a probe hole from where we were into where they were Yeah. Um, to get them to tell us exactly where, where it was. So yeah. we knew, you know, we didn't want to blast right on top of them mm. and there was a bit of a cavity where they were that we wanted to break into. Mm. So we're looking down the tunnel and we drilled, I think, three holes, and we asked Todd and Brandt, you know, where'd they pop up? Mm. And that would direct us from our tunnel whether we'd go, you know, right, straight ahead or left. Mm. And um, we did that, and so we're talking about that in the control room. And, um, you know, the comment from us was, oh, we've got to go right. And one in my team said, no, you've got to go left. Mm. I said, no, you idiot, you, you know, you've got to go right. And no, you know, you, we've got to go left. It's day 13. Yeah, this is like And we've got a photo, I've still got a photo of the whiteboard. So yeah. we, we drew the heading and we drew the probe holes. Mm. And, and um, uh, you know, we, this is like the, the, the final yeah. bit, you know. So after 13 days and mm. the media and families and Todd and Brand and the rescue team and, and uh, you know, room full of... You know, I don't know, they would, would print 10, 15, you know, got to go left, got to go right. You know, so two of my team, two of the incident control management team were, were disagreeing. Mm. And someone in the room said, for God's sake, make a decision mm. to me. Mm. And uh, and I did. I said, guys, you work it out. When you do, come get me. And I walked out the room. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I did that for any dramatic effect other than mm. guys... You've got all of the information in front of you. Yeah. If you're not sure, get the surveyor back down there. Yeah. Or get back on the phone to Todd and Brand. Yeah. But if you don't know, what am I supposed to do? Toss a coin? Yeah. Make a captain's call? Yeah. On what basis? Because I like this person over that person. You know, how am I any better informed? Mm. Um, so the, 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 I look back on it and, you know, a lot of people in the sort of at the head might think, oh, well, I've got to make a decision. Mm. 
you know, that's your that's you're the leader. Sometimes the best decision is, and and they, the guys were fine. Mm. In in fact, they were putting to first principles. In in, yeah. in fact, they were putting on so much weight. There was a joke around the room that if they kept putting on weight, they wouldn't even fit down this one meter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no? um, and so I and my office was just simply across the hallway from mm. the incident control room. Mm. And I don't even know how long it was. It, you know, might have been half an hour later. Mm. Uh, they came, you know, the guy came up me and said, yeah, we're going, I can't even remember which way, going right, I can't even remember what mm. the, you know, mm. we're going right, and I said, why? And yeah. and, and they, you know, I wanted to say, okay, well, how did you resolve the difference? Yeah. And it was as simple as, I'm looking down the tunnel. Yeah. Right is towards the computer. Yeah. You're Todd and Brandt, yeah, and you're looking down the tunnel. Yeah. To Left is towards the computer, right? So we're looking one way and right, and they're looking the other way and it's left. Mm. It was as simple as that. Unbelievable. But fatigue, yeah. tired, yeah. all the information in the world. Yeah. Um, but, you know. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting one because we often talk about the 80-20 rule, you know, making a good decision in time is, is often better than, than taking the extra time. This is completely opposite situation. Well, this was literally a, um, a life or death mm. moment of that breaking through. Now, fortunately, there was a small hole that was then jack-picked mm. out, so we didn't actually have to do a blast. Yeah, okay. The, the, the work that we had done had fractured the rock enough around us, mm. and where they were uh, from previous mining, the rock was fractured enough that we could, um, you know, Pick it, pick it apart big mm. enough to, for mm. him to, to get out. Uh, that's still a really delicate moment that you've moved into. Yeah. What were the different contingencies or actions on? We used to call them actions on in the military, where if something this happened, then what am I going to do or what's the team going to do? Um, it, was pretty, it was pretty linear. Um, yep. So stretcher, yep. ambos, yep. paramedics. Mm-hmm. Um, all down there, mm. you know, um, ready at the crib room, mm. back up higher in the mine with mm. another doctor, mm-hmm. um, you know, showers. Mm. Um, you know, by then, the police media liaison officer, because everyone then knew, yeah. you know, that it was going to be imminent one way or mm. another. Mm. Um, and so the media frenzy just mm. sort of ratcheted up. Yeah. And everyone wanted you know, the interview and the shot of them coming out of the hole. Mm. Uh, So the media liaison police guy basically got Channel 9, Channel 7, ABC, CNN, you know, the whole gaggle, and said, guys, there's going to be a pool shot. So Mm. you within your profession pick one radio, (laughs) one TV, one commentator, um, because the museum, the Bigginsville Museum, was right next door, and there's yeah. actually an elevated platform that we'd put in years ago okay. for tourists to look into. Yeah, yeah. So the famous shot is filmed um, by the by a selected group from their own media, and that went live to everyone. Yeah, okay. Simultaneously, so even though you've got Tracy Grimshaw or whatever commentating, yeah. the, the streaming yeah. wasn't just Channel Nine or Channel Seven. Mm. Everyone got it instantaneously. Yeah. Um, and you know, Bill, so, Bill was in that commentary too. Yeah, probably. Oh, there was there was all, all sorts of, of people. So that sort of took care of that. You know, we had the ambulances on the surface mm. ready. We had Launceston General Hospital ready. Mm. Mm. We had police escorts ready to get through the media. You yeah. know, because you've got to get past all of the 
you know, the vans with the... Um, so all, all of that was in play and okay. it was either going to be um, as it panned out or it was going to be a rushed, you know, emergency, mm. um, whatever that might mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they that that historical moment when when they came out of the uh, the shaft they stepped up walked off the uh, walked off the elevator um, where were you at that that particular moment so I was down there but in the at the back at the back yeah was that ah oh, it it was a moment for them yeah and their families so. yeah but it'd be an extremely proud moment for you yeah to see oh, it's no, affecting you now it yeah. is <laughs> yeah so I still remember getting a hug from uh, Todd. Yeah, 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 but then they were in the ambulance and gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, um, I it, I watched it, rewatched it again coming into today, and yeah, yeah I, it just it, it it certainly does inspire. And and thinking then too though, what the effort that you've done behind that to affect that moment mm. that that was a pretty yeah. It was probably only then. In fact, it was probably not even then. It was like you know they were in the ambulances and gone. Yeah, um, you know we. So this is on Monday morning, mm. day 14. You know, there was rumours that we deliberately kept them underground so I could make the morning news. You know, give me a break. <laughs> uh, and it was a little bit surreal then that morning. Like mm. the control room was all of a sudden empty mm. with everything still over the walls and what have you. Yeah. Um, but that day we had Larry Knight's funeral. Yeah. Yeah. So it brings it back into mm. perspective, doesn't mm. it, pretty quickly. Mm. Those immediate sort of times post any of these situations, you, you've been, you know, riding a, a, an adrenaline rush really mm. for for that period of time. How how hard was that coming back down from that for you? Yeah, so you know, I shouldn't forget families. You know, mm. so you know, my mum in law came up, mm. you know, to to help with Carmel. Mm. The school was really good to keep an eye on the kids. Yeah, you know, because Dad was you know on the TV every day, mm. and so that that was important. Yeah, what we did. And we didn't do everything right. And what we did very badly, mm. in hindsight, was appreciating the post-traumatic stress bit. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, 13 years ago, mental health wouldn't have been on anyone's no. language. Mm. Now, yes. Mm. Back then, no. And certainly not mm. in a mining mm. world where underground you play dress-ups, you crib together, you yep. work together, you shower together. Yep. It's very blokey. Yeah. Um, you know, so very macho. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we thought, so we didn't actually have a disaster recovery plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so bad. Mm-hmm. I'll look back on it now. Mm-hmm. We thought we were doing the right thing by giving the guys two weeks off with pay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Our employees to rest, recuperate, spend time with family. Mm-hmm. Bad decision. Yeah. Shocking decision. Yeah. Um, they needed to talk about what they went through. Yes, we, we, yeah. we had counsellors on site. Mm. We had counsellors in Launceston. Yep. We had pamphlets. It was all free. Mm. You can't make someone go and see a counsellor. No. Um, so they often would, either if they did talk about it, it was to the family. So mm. a lot of dumping, as I found out, you know, was then onto the families. Mm. We should have, in hindsight, we should have at least daily for even an hour or two just got them together mm. in a non-threatening, even off-site environment to mm. chat if they wanted to. Yeah with the guys that have been through it yeah, because there'd be empathy and understanding about what they'd been through mm. rather than some stranger, yes, yeah. a counsellor, yeah. or even their family. And yeah. so a lot of people didn't talk about it. Mm. Um, so that was a bad decision. Mm. And as it turned out, you know, there was New South Wales, 
you know, disaster recovery and, and psychological recovery plans. Um, mm. You know, there's a graph of humans human emotions from elation to despair mm. uh, and depression and then anger. Yeah. And, you know, I saw that subsequently. Yeah. Once I was aware of it, you know, mm. that human thing at Pike River, you know, mm. yeah. families and local community are, are like, you know, well, not so much Chilean, but also the Chilean. Yes. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, the, Chilean. Chilean, Chilean yeah. 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 You know, euphoria out and then, you know, anger about, you know, silence. So, mm. you know, we got that whole human recovery side of it. Mm. Not not well done at all. Yeah, we... I know that we had a similar situation in Sundance because the the incident control room or the crisis management room was right opened out really to to the main floor where everyone worked and mm. and we probably underestimated or or, or certainly um, didn't appreciate the effect of the activity that we were going through in that room would have on that wider group, mm. let alone let alone the effects of them losing their colleagues, workmates, mm, that's bosses. Right. And we were straight into redundancy it, yeah, planning. Yeah, that's You know, it. we didn't even give ourselves a break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we often, um, you know, we often underestimate those impacts. Now, you say you can't force counselling, but um, one of the good things that we do see there is that we, we do some group-based Activities where you get them together and have um, those sort of sessions. Were those sort of sessions available, or did you do those with the team? No. So when we did towards the end, mm. you know, into it, um, it was more about you know what do we do, mm. and we didn't actually, from memory, the group sessions weren't so much about people's experience during that. It was what do we do going forward. Yeah. It was almost like there was a line in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a so okay, so you know we've got to do redundancies. Yeah. Um, we want to keep a cool group. We want to keep a place on care and maintenance. So it was more looking forward. Mm. You know, I don't think we allowed people enough time to grieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. if, I, if I look back on it, mm. or or an environment within which they could talk mm. and share and and you know get through that, mm. you know that that anger and yeah. fault and blame and mm. so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't. Uh, uh, done, you know, could have been done a lot better. Was there much anger directed at you or the management team at that point? Um, Post, you know, about the time and the type of response or other. Oh, uh, so look, I don't know directly. Um, certainly, you know, there became then there was going to be a government inquiry. Yeah. And part of the 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 brief was, you know, obviously safety in production, but also mm. the role of the administrator and. Um, and the union stepped up, so they certainly um, did coalesce. A, you know, a, you know, quite a few guys mm. that were unimpressed. Yeah. Um, and I guess their way of that sort of um, dealing with it and the anger was was a certainly a lot stronger union presence and involvement. Yeah. Um, than we'd ever had or yeah. needed to have before, but at mm. least it, I think it gave the guys maybe a a um, consolidated mouthpiece to mm. to express, mm. you know, feelings. Yeah. Um, and and that's, you know, that because it co- quite fractured the cohesive, mm. you know, teams, I think, that we had. Yeah. Pre, I mean, pre and post were two different places. Yeah. yeah. And even during, by the sound of it too, because the, the focus, the effort on that particular objective really galvanised everyone, but then when that's gone... What do you focus those efforts on? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. yeah. Rolling back on it now, oh, what are we? Thirteen years, sort of post. What, what's sort of been the biggest 
lesson that you think looking back on it for you um yeah so i still get a bit emotional about it Mm -hmm. i mean but i rationalize it's part of me yeah you know some people don't talk about it yeah um and i respect that i found talking about it is good for me cathartically Mm -hmm. yeah um and also mining industry is not good at sharing lessons learned Mm. so and i've always been a bit critical of my own industry for that failure so Mm. you know i can do something about that yeah um so one of the things for me is to do this sort of thing i mean um i don't normally talk this long (laughs) but but to share some of you know what i went through yeah you know and if that helps people um, think about their own workplace and, mm. and are they ready with emergency response and, mm. you know, if it happens, you know, what would they do and have they got media management mm. and, you know, so if, if anything that I went through makes people think twice or at least double check, mm. you know, that they've got risk and systems and procedures and a good team and, commu- you know, then, then that that's good. So that's one thing. I think the other thing is I learn a lot about people, mm. you know, that there were some people that I expected to behave and had been working with me, but they behave quite differently mm-hmm. to the positive, mm. but also to the negative. Yeah. And, and um, you, you know, and that's the situational stress. You know, yeah. people often might behave differently, but then in a stress situation default to a, a behaviour that you've never seen. Mm. Um, as mm. I said, either, either good or bad. Mm. So probably two things is just, you know... Um, because there's a public interest story in, mm. in there as well. Mm. So, you know, learning about people and mm. also just sharing some of those experiences. What's probably the proudest thing for you in in the incident now? And it's difficult, obviously, when we're talking about, um, you know, a loss of one person. Yeah, in so I don't really have a... Pra- for exactly that reason, it's like yeah. a seesaw. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and so I often feel part of my responsibility is to make people realise there were 200 people there. It yeah. wasn't just Bill and yeah. it wasn't just me. Yeah. You know, there were more than 200 people mm. behind the scenes, mm. you know, the unsung. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously then the post-rescue, all of the focus was on Todd and Brandt and being mm. flown around the world and, mm. you know, on, you know, footy show, whatever, whatever it did. Mm. So I feel I've also got a bit of an obligation to remind people that we did lose an employee, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's no proud moment because it's like seesaw. Like, mm. you, at one end, you've, you've got two guys and you go, great, but immediately you're, I, I'm balanced by the fact, no, we lost, a, mm. we lost an employee. Mm. So that's the keeping it in balance. You know, mm. it's not great, two guys, and it's not, mm. and it's not good, you know, we lost a mate. Mm. But that's the, the balance. And, and so that, to me, that's... That's how I try and rationalise it. Mm. Yeah. Now, clearly, for the families of Larry, mm. you know, to, terrible. Mm. And then, on the other hand, you've got for the families of Todd and Brent, great. Mm. Um, and I just try and stay at the fulcrum of the seesaw. Yeah, that's yeah. What did you learn about leadership throughout that whole, the whole incident? Yeah, you're thrust into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I often wonder, uh, is it nature or nurture? Mm-hmm. You know, is it in your nature mm-hmm. to be a leader, like an inherent thing, mm-hmm. or can you be taught to be a leader? Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit of both. Mm. Um, uh, I like to be pushed rather than pushed, so I, I prefer much to be, you know, the guy in the shadows mm-hmm. or, you know, provide the context but use the team. Yeah. 
you know, that to me, like I, I, the command and control leadership has a time and a place, but it's not sustainable. No. And it's a one-man show. It is, yeah. Um, so to me, a cohesive team. Yeah. And sure, you can be, you know, the head of that and it can be situational power because mm. I'm the boss. Mm. Um, but for instance, you know, deferring to, you know, the technical guys or whoever, if it was, you know, the mechanics of the rescue or deferring to the medical fraternity if it was the health and well-being mm. you know being able to defer that inherent power that you've got to those that are there actually and that's their job yeah is something that some people can't do like mm. they think you know i'm the leader and i've got to make all the decisions and it's all mm. up to me mm. uh no so there's lots and lots of and there's hundreds of books written on leadership mm. <laughs> um so that's, it's, you know, each to their own and each will have their own style. Mm. What you've described, though, is really a, a lesson in mission command, which is what we would call it in the military, where where the commander's intent is delivered through the objective or mission setting and then the teams are, are then empowered and, and purpose-built to then support the response or support that objective. So, so it really is a classic lesson in that. Yeah, and, and I didn't, I mean, you and I met not long after that and um, we did some work together and a lot of them were, were ex-forces. Yeah. Which amazed me, I mean, if you'd asked me if there was a media crisis management um, company, I would have thought, oh, yeah, it's probably full of HR types. Yeah, yeah. Safety practitioners. Yeah, all comms people, yeah. Yeah, media, media yeah not, not ex-services. Ex so, mm. But you're dead right. I look back on it now at our emergency operations control group mm. and uh, the organisational structure and yeah. the duty cards and, you know, the, the, the help of, of Inspector Reynolds in terms mm. of the simple mission statement. Yeah. Um, absolutely, without that structure and discipline, mm. uh, you can imagine how chaotic it would have been. Now, there's some things you've already said throughout that you, you probably would have done differently, but if there's, is there one thing that, uh, looking back now, you would have done differently? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, you know, hindsight's always that wonderful, mm. you know, luxury. Certainly, I think it was the post-recovery you know, the post-rescue period. Yeah. Um, not so much the first day, but the, the days and weeks after that. Mm. Um, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder wasn't... I don't even think I was aware of it mm. back then. Mm. You know, a lot of the people that had helped with the rescue had gone home. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, mental health wasn't certainly, you know, talked about back mm. then, and, and mining's very blokey mm. um you know even though that we had counselors and flyers and on-site and mm. in launceston can't make someone go yeah. so yeah getting the groups to manage that through that you know period of ventilation and anger and grief mm. yeah we we could have done better i guess if we were aware of mm. how how it can permeate right through mm. you know not just individuals but the families and, and the groups yeah given the the community that you were in, mm. I mean, it's it obviously had a massive effect on all of them mm. too. Mm. Um, how was the families for you? I mean, how was your family affected by it at the time? Yeah, so, you know, Carmel's not keen on wanting to talk about it. Mm. Um, you know, we each handled it differently. She, her mum came up from Hobart, which is mm. good. Yeah, I mean, I look back on it, 
you know, we, you know, the, we went straight into a government inquiry, mm. you know, rounding up all the documents and interrogation and, mm. you know, emails and files, mm. um, giving statements. You know, we had the bizarre tangent, which was three plane loads of rescue people were all flown to, to Canberra and, mm. you know, in Parliament House and got to meet, you know, John Howard and... Mm and um kim beasley and so it was, it was all pretty surreal and weird mm. but there was no despite all of that there was no real awareness to to sort of shrink back to look after the mm. individuals that had gone through it all it was all mm. this other stuff yeah. almost like we just got to keep busy yeah in hindsight doing keep that moving, yeah. yeah well we didn't we weren't really aware it wasn't that we didn't it wasn't that we knew about it and mm. opted not to do it mm. it's that we just weren't aware that there was a human, you know, scarring component mm. that needed to be dealt with somewhere, mm. somewhere in there, mm. and and we didn't recognise and weren't aware of it. If there's one other leader out there or one other event that you'd um, you'd like to hear about or hear the story of, which one, which one would it be for you? Yeah, I hadn't given that much thought. So I got to meet General Cosgrove. Yes, yeah. Um, when he was in that. Um, uh, Army mission recovery. Yep. Uh, he'd just done, I think, a cyclone. Yep. He's now obviously our Governor General. Yeah. So I found that quite interesting. Mm. I stayed in touch with uh, Paul Featherston for, yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. You know, in terms of what he went through. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of other events out there, haven't really given that you mm. know a, a lot of a lot of thought. I mm. mean, I I ended up doing some leadership. Um, work with another guy for undergraduate mining engineers at Monash Uni. Okay, yeah. Which which dealt with you know we did Myers Briggs. Yeah. For engineers. Yeah. Um, we used Beacon School as a case study. Yeah. You know, but we we did you know we used the typical Piper Alpha and mm. and, and space shuttle. Yep. We did use Pike River. Yep. You know, but we did a lot on leadership. Um, you know, communication, you know, culture. Mm. Um, so I, I read quite widely, you know, because as a mining engineer, you don't get exposed. Mm. It's more technical. Mm. Um, but in terms of people, to come back to your question, yeah, I haven't really given that a lot of thought, but I did a lot of broad reading, mm. and that probably satisfied that, yeah. that appetite. That appetite, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Matt, thank you very much for, for taking this time with me. It's obviously still a difficult um, thing that you've gone through but I think for all of us it's a it's an amazing and inspirational story and, and um, I really appreciate you sharing that with us and I know I know that your reason for doing that is to also you know enhance that learning or capturing those lessons within your industry which I think is a really important uh, important objective so thank you thank my you pleasure much. thanks for the opportunity good on you that concludes episode 6 of Prices Talks In next week's episode, I interview Richard Harding, the former CEO of the Territory Insurance Office, where we talk through the 2010 bombing of one of their offices in Darwin. We talk through the effects it had on the community, the people, and his own workforce, and the way that they managed their response to that major incident.